Glory to God. Thank you, Artie, Brenda, and the praise team. And I think about half the worship band is out with the flu or out of town. Amen. But they did a great job, did they not? Amen. Praise God. I was to be reminded to dismiss the children's church kids. If you have not already been dismissed uh, and you're a child and want to go to children's church, you're dismissed at this time to head back. Amen. Is that, is that the announcement, Annalise? Oh, I got the thumbs up. That's it. That's what I was to do. Amen. So she's back there ready for you to join her. Amen. If you have your smartphone and would like to uh, use it as an auxiliary learning tool today, you can open the Uversion Bible app, which on my phone is a little brown Bible. I found it. There it is. Uversion Bible app. And then at the lower right-hand corners, it says more. So tap more. Halfway down, find the word events. Press events. And then select uh, the second church that's listed there, Cassaview Assembly of God. And all of the slideshow that's part of our teaching today and announcements as well will be part of uh, that on your smart device. And it'll be there for about a week so you can review, you can share it with others and let it be a blessing to you. Amen. Also, in today's uh, uh, bulletin, go ahead and reach for your bulletin one more time and pull out the study guide that's part of our, our lesson plan today on how to start the new year right. Amen. Everybody knows what today is, right? It's what? New Year's Eve. That's right, New Year's Eve. I heard someone humorously say that the youth, you're a youth when you are allowed to stay up late on New Year's Eve. But you are middle age when you are forced to stay up on New Year's Eve. Amen. At my mother's retirement residence in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, uh, she has an independent living uh, situation. Basically, it's apartments, it's, and she can go down the hall with her little walker and go to the common dining area, or she has a kitchenette in her area as well. And, uh, but I, I was teasing my mom and asking her, I said, well, Mom, are you all going to have a big party on New Year's Eve? And she says, well, son said, uh, we are having a get-together on New Year's Eve, and, and uh, we're going to have a, a devotional. You know, I said, well, that's great, and we're going to pray in the New Year. That's great. And she said, yeah, and at 9 o'clock, the balloon is going to drop. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, I thought that was a great idea, 9 o'clock. Amen. The, uh, uh, you know, we all make New Year's resolutions, and most of the people I know do, you know, at least think about it. And uh, But uh, there are some resolutions that I encourage you not to make, not to make. Here are ten New Year's resolutions that you are not to make, okay? And uh, this is just for fun, and we'll get into our study in just a moment. Uh, don't make this resolution to stop exercising, that it's a waste of time. That, that is not a good resolution to make. Number two, don't make this one. Gain enough weight to get on the biggest loser. Don't make that resolution. Amen. Here's another one for you not to make. I will become a vegan for a day and subsequently learn that it was a missed steak. Okay. And if if you're a vegan, don't cast any stones at me. I mean, this is just for fun. Amen. Number four, I will no longer waste my time reliving the past. Instead, I will spend it worrying about the future. Don't make that resolution. How about this one? Don't make this one. I will do less laundry this year and use more deodorant. Do not make that resolution. I know you were tempted to, but don't make that one. Amen. Number six. My New Year's resolution is to read more. So I turned on the subtitles to my TV. That is not how you're going to read more. I promise you that. Amen. Number seven. This one is not. Don't make this one. My New Year's resolution is to procrastinate. I'll start tomorrow. Oh my. How about this one? Number eight. My New Year's resolution was to stay out of shape. Maybe I won't stick to this one either. Well, I hope not. Amen. Number nine. I was going to give up all my bad habits for the new year, but then I remembered no one likes a quitter. 
And number 10, the one you've been looking for. This one came from our sound booth, I believe. I don't know which one of these guys submitted it. Amen. To get a date for New Year's Eve. Not to brag, but they said, I already have a date for New Year's Eve. It's December 31st. (laughs) Amen. I don't know which one back there in the sound booth came up with that, but I thought it was good. Amen. So, Happy New Year. Amen. Happy New Year to each of you. Amen. We begin a brand new year, actually, tonight at midnight, right? Midnight, 12.01, we begin a new year. And I love to celebrate a new year. I love the feeling that comes from this time of the year because it it feels like we all get a do-over. And uh, we all get a clean state. We get to start over. I think it's because we look at the new year as a time to forget the past, the things that we've messed up on perhaps, and to begin to concentrate on the the things that are before us, the things that are in the future. And we... uh, Today's title actually is How to Start the New Year Right in 2024. And we often make, I alluded to it a moment ago, we often make the right kind of resolutions, not those uh, uh, sorry things we read a moment ago. But uh, I I think it's important uh, that that in doing so, uh, that we realize that we're not alone. That many, many, many people make resolutions at this time of year. As a matter of fact, researchers say, you can write it on your notes, that one-third of Americans make resolutions each year. One-third of Americans make resolutions. It's human nature. When we pass some significant milestone like new, of a new year to pause and to evaluate how we're doing, and oftentimes we find that there are areas that need improvement. I heard about a high school principal that uh, had uh, decided that he would do something unique for all of his faculty, and he told his faculty, turn in your New Year's resolutions to me. And so they did, they turned in their lists, their New Year's resolutions And uh, he took those and stapled them to the bulletin board with the teacher's names. And so, to his chagrin, there was a commotion at the bulletin board the next day when all the teachers huddled to read each other's resolutions. And there was one teacher that was throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of all that. And uh, he, uh, she said her, her list was not posted. Everybody's was posted, but hers was not posted. And so the principal, he, he, he said, oh my. So he ran to his office and he looked through the pile of papers. And sure enough, he found her sitting on his desk. And he looked at it for a moment and he was astounded. Because that teacher had written on her resolutions. Said, the first one, number one, not to let little things upset her in the new year. <laughs> there you go. I don't think she's made it very, very long. Amen. And perhaps we are like the son who... He called his dad and mom to wish them a happy new year. And so he asked his dad, he said, well, dad, what is your new year's resolution? And his dad replied, well, my new year's resolution is to make your mother as happy as I can all year. And then a moment later, he got his mom on the phone and he said, well, mom, what's your new year's resolution? And she replied, To see that your dad keeps his New Year's resolution. Amen. Amen. Now, when you think about making resolutions, do you realize that we are all pretty much similar in that we all select similar things? Matter of fact, the most common thing, that the most consistent thing, if you were to list what are the most consistent things that people list, inevitably... Most of them will have these same things on everybody's list. Well, there may be a few exceptions. What do you think is the number one resolution that's made every year? What do you think it is? Lose weight. That's correct. Lose weight is right at the top. And, or the, the opposite of that, not the opposite, not to gain weight, but to, along with that is to exercise more. Lose weight, exercise more, and, or get in shape. That's there. And uh, get out of debt is on the list. Get out of debt. And then spend more time with family. 
and then to quit some habit. It might be smoking, it might be drinking, it might be drugs, it might be gambling or whatever it is. Whatever the habit is, you're going to quit some habit. It's there on the list. And without fail, the numbers of people who join the health clubs, hello, and join the spas, and join Weight Watchers and all those other things, skyrockets in what month? January. And it takes a nosedive in what month? February. That's right. And it every year. Every year it's the same. And why is that? Because, and I ask what, it's human nature to want to do better. It's human nature to want to improve in your life. Which kind of reminds me of Reg Baker's four stages of life. Here they are. You believe in Santa Claus, stage one. Stage two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Stage three, you are Santa Claus. And look at Reg. You look like Santa Claus. Oh, but he's going to lose weight. That's it. (laughs) I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the beard. Amen. The four stages in life. There you go. I heard about the lady who recently went to the doctor for an annual physical. And the nurse asked her, well, how much do you weigh? She says, well, I just weigh 135 pounds. Well, then she weighed her and she weighed and she weighed 160 pounds. Not 135, but 160. And then she said, well, how tall are you? And she says, well, I am five feet Six inches. And then she took her height and she wasn't five feet six. She was five feet three. And then she took her blood pressure. And the lady said, your blood pressure is sky high. And she said, well, what do you expect? When I came in here, I was tall and slender. Now I'm short and fat. There you go. So it's human nature to want to do better. But it's also human nature to fail. You ever failed at something? Oh, absolutely, we all have. And most resolutions last between three days and three weeks. Most of them. And certainly by February, we're right back in the old ruts that we promised to get ourselves out of. And so it doesn't take very long for reality to set in and snuff out what little bit of willpower that we had and whatever enthusiasm we had on New Year's Eve when we made that resolution. Actually, research tells us that less than 10% of, of us succeed in our New Year's resolutions. But why is that? Well, there, I believe there's some common reasons why we fail at our resolutions. One of those is that... Many times we set unrealistic goals. And instead of setting our goal to lose 10 pounds, that would be a a realistic goal that we could attain to, we set our goal to lose 100 pounds. Well, and you get discouraged real easy because you you can work on that 10 pound, but that 100 pounds is really tough. Some make too many resolutions at once. Well, I want to change this. I want to change that. I want to lose all this weight. I want to gain all this strength and look like Mr. Atlas. And then I want to grow hair on my head. Hello. And, uh, you know, (coughs) I want to read my Bible every day. I want to pray every day. I want to grow in God. You know, on and on. You list all these wonderful things that, that, and many of them are wonderful things to do. But two or three days into it, you get overwhelmed by the number of changes that you had. And, and at the same time, there are others who have a plan and they stick to the plan and they're successful. Or maybe you're like the guy who asked his friend for a cigarette. He asked his friend for a cigarette and the friend said, Well, I thought you made a New Year's Eve resolution to quit smoking. He said, Well, I did. I'm in the process right now of quitting. He says, Well... You are, he says, well, he says, yeah, I'm in, I'm in phase one of quitting. He said, phase one of quitting. He said, what's that? He says, I quit buying. <laughs> yeah, but he hadn't quit bumming. That's his problem. Amen. Often we, we underestimate how difficult it is to change. And, and uh, indeed, there is, uh, it's going to cost you in order to make some changes in your life. 
You may have to get up a little earlier. You may have to go to that gym and, and so forth and, and uh, pay the price and, and not eat what you like to eat and eat what you don't like to eat, you know, and so forth. And so it's difficult. I understand that. It is difficult. And so we make too many changes at once and, and unrealistic goals and, and difficult to change. But here's the number one reason I believe that we fail in, in our commitments is that we lack the commitment necessary to follow through. We lack the commitment necessary to follow through. I liken it to the wheels on your vehicle. Commitment and discipline are what I call the wheels on your vehicle. And without discipline and without commitment, you don't have any wheels. And you're not going to go very far without wheels. Amen? And so you have to have commitment and discipline in life if you're going to move and, and have mobility to, to change. And that's just a fact. Some people have developed a pattern of quitting and whenever they experience difficulty, they just quit. They just accept the fact that they expect to fail. And guess what? <laughs> they fail. Heard about a boy that asked his father a question. And he said, Dad, if there were three frogs on a limb that hung over a pool, and one frog decided to jump into the pool, how many frogs? would be left on the limb. The dad said, well, that's easy. There would be two. And the son said, no, that's incorrect. He said, let me say it again, Dad. Listen real close, Dad. There are three frogs, and one decides to jump. How many are left? Dad said, hmm. He says, oh, I get it. The one decides to jump, and the others will too. They'd follow him in, so there are none left. And the son said, no, Dad, you don't get it. He said, the answer is three. He said, three? He said, yeah, the frog only decided to jump. He decided to lose weight. Hello? He decided to go to church. He decided. How many know there's a difference between having a want to and actually doing it? Amen. And so... Perhaps that sounds like some of our resolutions, good intentions, but that's about all they are, just intentions. I can't tell you how many people were intending to come to church, intending and wanted to come to church, thinking about coming to church, but never came to church. Oh my. All of this has led many to reject resolutions altogether. And the thinking goes, why attempt something that is doomed to fail? Why pretend that change is even possible when you know you're going to blow it? And to some, resolution making basically is a waste of their time and a waste of your time hearing what their resolution is because they're not going to do it anyway. And it makes them feel bad, even worse about themselves. I certainly understand the fear of failure, but at the same time, I believe all of us, if we are very sincere in our evaluation of our past, that we can come up with some things that we can improve on. And all of us have things we can do better. And January, greater than any other month of the year, January has been considered the most perfect time of the year to make changes for centuries. For centuries. Do you realize that the month of January was called January because the Romans named it after one of their gods, Janus. Janus, hence the term Janus Wary, January. In ancient Roman religion and myth, Janus is the god of beginnings and endings. The Roman god Janus is depicted as having two faces. One looking back on the old year with regret, and the other face is looking forward to the new year with hope. The Romans understood that at the start of a new year, we can't help but be hopeful for improvement. Maybe you look back on 2023 with sadness. Maybe you see failure in the old year, and 
Now you, you're looking forward to 2024. Oh, you have the desire to do some things differently. And today, I want to show you from God's Word how you can have a fresh start in 2024. And I want to share with you for just a few moments four guidelines for having a fresh start in 2024 from the Word of God. Four things from the Word of God that we can do to have a fresh start in 2024. Amen. Now, the first three will be found in Romans chapter 13. And the last one will be found in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to give you some gestures to, to help you. And I want everyone to look at me, okay? Get your hands out. You got your hands out. You ready to go? Can you do that? Okay, you, some, of you, some of you are working on it. One more time. That. Okay, that's one. Okay, that's one. Okay. And uh, can you do this? Okay, there. Okay. Can you do this? Okay. And the last one, this. That's it. You got it? Okay, and I'll remind you of those in just a moment. All right. So heading into this new year, we need to wake up spiritually. Let's all wake up. Wake up spiritually. The person next to you, wake them up. Wake up spiritually. That's it. Okay. Got it. Here is a verse of Scripture. It's from Romans chapter 13, verse 11. We're going to look at verse 11, 12, 13, maybe 14. That's going to be our, our, our text for the first three here. Here's the first one from verse 11. And Paul is writing to the church, not writing to society. He's writing to the church. And he says, and do this understanding the present time that we're in. The hour has come for you to what? Wake up from your slumber. He's not talking about people who are literally, physically asleep. He's talking about a spiritual issue. Is that there are people in the church that are not aware of how soon the coming of the Lord is. And they need to awaken themselves. Why? Because, he says, last part of the verse, because our deliverance, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. We need, man, if we have ever had a verse of Scripture that applies to the church, this one applies to the church today. Friends, we are closer now than we have ever been to the coming of the Lord. We can't afford to be spiritually asleep. We've got to be alert. We've got to read the Word. We've got to see what the prophecies are. We have to understand the signs of our time and realize the hour is late that we are living in. Amen. Make sure our lamps are filled with oil. Amen. Because the bridegroom is coming. Amen. And so, I heard about a Sunday school teacher who asked the children just before she dismissed them to leave her Sunday school class to go to church. And she said, now when you go to church, everyone be quiet. Don't be talking in church. And, and uh, she explained why it was necessary to be quiet and respectful in church. And, and she asked the question, do you know why that is, you're supposed to be quiet in church? And little Johnny raised his hand. Oh, 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 I know, teacher, I know. He says, because people are sleeping. Oh, Lord, help us now. Reminds me of the classic story of, I think it's Lady Astor and Winston Churchill. They were in Parliament years ago. And she was his arch enemy, if you will. He, and they didn't get along very well. And Lady Astor uh, was giving her speech that she was giving in Parliament. And at Churchill, he just fell asleep. He was snoring over there. And it really got her upset. And so she stopped and she, she said, Churchill, Churchill. And he kind of shook himself. Must you sleep while I talk? He looked at that woman and replied, No, ma'am. I do purely, I do it purely by choice. Amen. Purely by choice. I sleep while you talk. Amen. Well, sadly, the truth of the matter is that many people, most people who are spiritually asleep, do so by choice. They do so by choice. Many people deliberately, on purpose, Ignore God. Ignore the things of God. Ignore Christ. Ignore the Bible. Ignore the church. And they go on their merry, miserable way for a season. Sadly, spiritual apathy abounds in our day. Many people are spiritually asleep and do not care to be woke up. 
But Scripture says, awake, awake, be alert. The signs, you know, we're nearing the end. Your salvation is nearer now than it ever was before. Awake, that's the word from the Lord today. Amen. And so, I heard the story of, of the, the, the guys were talking about apathy. And they asked the waiter, they said, uh, will you be the, the judge and you tell us, is, uh, is the problem of, of apathy in, in, our, in our life. Is it because people don't care? Or is it because uh, they don't... Is it ignorance or apathy? What's the greatest problem? And the waiter looked at him and said, I don't know and I don't care. Yeah, I don't know and I don't care. That's the spirit. I heard about a teacher that gave a subject to a composition English class. And the topic was simply what? For an hour, the whole class was expounded to define and to write about this one word, what, on a paper. And so many of them worked feverishly trying to figure out what to say about what. And one smart little boy wrote two words on his paper in about one minute and left the class and turned in his paper. You know what he said? So what? And quite honestly, friend, that's the attitude of so many people that they have today toward God, toward Christ, toward the church, toward the things of God. Everything holy, it's so what? We understand, however, that this message from Romans chapter 13, we just read a moment ago, that the Apostle Paul, he was writing to Christians. He wasn't just writing to everyone in the world. He was writing to Christians and saying, hey guys, it's time to wake up. To wake up spiritually. I mean, we expect people in the world, we expect people in Hollywood to be spiritually asleep. But not those who are in Christ. Not those who are Christians. Not those who are in the church. Well, my question today is, what about us? Are we spiritually asleep? I think there are times that we drift off. Amen. And we need to be awakened, if you will. The old preacher Vance Havner uh, from years ago, he, a lot of quotations are abound. He once said, The same church members who yell like Comanche Indians at a ball game on Saturday sit like wooden Indians in church on Sunday. Oh my. Could our lack of enthusiasm for the things of God be an indication that something may be wrong with us? Could our lack of enthusiasm for the Word of God? Amen. Or the things of God be an indication that we are somewhat sleepy, spiritually speaking, and need to be woke up? Well, there are many things that we do and perhaps even fail to do that indicate whether or not we are awake or we're asleep spiritually. Now, if someone is in your house and they want to get woken up early in the morning, what do they do? Set the alarm. Amen. So how do we wake up sleeping people? You have to sound the alarm. Sound the alarm to the waken, to waken the sleeper. You say, well, pastor, I know what we could do. We could have one of them rattlesnake services where they pull out the, from Tennessee. They pull out a box full of rattlesnakes and pass it around. And Well, I bet that'd wake up some folks. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not going to be doing that. I promise you that. Friends, what we need to do is get in the altar. Hello. We need to get into the altar and pray through until the fire of God falls upon us and awakens us from our spiritual slumber. That's the answer to being spiritually asleep. Amen. And our text said again in verse 11, it says, Do this, understanding our present time, that the hour has come for you to, let's do it, wake up. Wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So our first thing we need to do is to wake up. Secondly, the second guideline that I have today is heading into this new year, we need also to clean up. Can you do that? Clean up. We need to wake up and we need to clean up. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about a bar of soap, although I, don't, I encourage you to use that bar of soap from time to time. That's important to do. 
I'm talking about cleaning up what's on the inside of you, not just on the outside of you. Amen. In Romans chapter 13 again, the next verse, verse 12, says this. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in, it lists these negative things, orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. So basically what Paul said, we need, he's writing to the church, we need to clean up our act, our actions. We need to clean up our lives. And I'm talking again about getting clean on the inside. I mean, who likes to stay dirty? I don't like to stay dirty. If I'm dirty because of work, I want. I can't wait till I get in clean up. Well, some people in this world seem to like to live in filth. And you don't have to look very far. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. You don't have to look very far to find examples of individuals who are living in a lifestyle of rampant immorality, living in drunkenness and debauchery, and it's on display in our society. We have advertisements that laugh about it and make fun of it and say, here's the theme, the big theme in Las Vegas is, what's, what, what happens in Vegas? Is that how it goes? Stays in Vegas. And, and the implication is you can just come and party and sin and do whatever you want to do in Vegas. And it'll stay there. Oh, my lens. We have a city down on the Gulf Coast that prides itself and calls itself the sin city. The sin city. And the reasons is it's because in New Orleans each year on the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, it's known as Fat Tuesday. And on Fat Tuesday, it is the culmination of a season they call Mardi Gras, which basically is a big carnival devoted to drunkenness, debauchery, and sexual immorality. Oh, sure, they throw out a few uh, necklaces and doubloons, especially to the women, if they'll hike up their t-shirt. And it's just sin gone wild in our own city, in our own community. There are areas and neighborhoods in our community that have been given over to sensual lifestyles, have been given over to drugs and drunkenness and immorality. And the Apostle Paul is addressing it in his day, and he's telling the church, hey, the night's almost over, the day's almost here. Let's put aside all of these deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's behave decently in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions, not in jealousy. And Paul, you say, well, you know, those are bad things, and most of us don't, we're not, we're not, we don't have those things on our list, Pastor. Yeah, but you know what? We all have things inside that we need to clean up. It may not be that list, but you know it could be anger. It could be not being patient, you know, saying things that we shouldn't say. And bottom line is it's time to clean up. Well, how do we do that? Well, whatever sin is dragging us down, what do we do? We take it to the Lord and we ask Him for cleansing and mercy and we ask Him for grace. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does He use to cleanse us? He uses the blood. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, we'll have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise God. So the God who created us can recreate us if we will let Him by walking in the light as He is in the light. Amen. You know, we need to do that every day. Every day we need to be walking in the light of God's grace. When the Lord gets out of our sight, He also gets out of our mind. And that's when we get into trouble. We need to keep Him inside and in mind every day, every hour of the day. And so we need to wake up. And secondly, we need to clean up. Amen. Here's the third one. We need to dress up. 
dress up. Amen. You got that? We wake up. We clean up. We dress up. Okay, I'm going to give you a test in a minute. Make sure you get all four of these. You think I'm kidding. Amen. Here's verse 14. Rather, clothe your... What's that? Dress. Clothe yourselves with what? With the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So we need to wake up. We need to clean up. We need to dress up. But how in the world are we going to do that? Well, obviously... We are either a dress-up or a dress-down society with the emphasis on the outward appearance. Oh, we all prefer to look decent, look modest, whether we're dressed up or we're dressed down in a casual uh, appearance. And quite honestly, casual has been in for a few years, and some really like to dress casual, and I'm not talking about the outward casual. I'm talking about how you're dressed up on the inside. And let me tell you, God is not interested in us being casual on the inside. He wants us to be dressed up in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I don't know what that is. I'll tell you in just a moment, okay? We all know that we have an outer person, but we also have an inner person. And that inner person is what we're talking about. And while the outer person, we can put a little soap on it, put a little deodorant on it and smell good and, and make it, you know, dress up with, with some nice things. But, but what about that inner person, Pastor? See, the inner person is the real you. The real you is that inner person. I'm reminded of the Marvel comic book superhero, The Incredible Hulk. And in this uh, fictitious scenario... There is a a scientist by the name of Bruce Banner, and within him resides this alter ego, if you will, that changes his appearance. When he loses his temper, he loses cool. That Hulk comes out, and he's out of control, and he wrecks havoc on everything around there. And uh, Banner has no control over when the Hulk is released. And the fact of the matter is, we all battle with the darkness that lies within us. It's not called the Hulk. The Bible calls it the old man of sin. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, that's what I do. It's just the opposite. I'm battling back and forth between the flesh and the spirit, if you will. The old man is sin. And sin still lurks within us and raises its ugly head from time to time. Paul struggled with it, and we struggle with it. But our text tells us to clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You say, well, Pastor Marcus, how do we do that? How do we clothe ourselves? I love this passage in Colossians because it tells us how to clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it says in Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Here's what it is you clothe yourself with. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness, patience. Oh my, boy, that got on to me right there. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If you have a grievance against anyone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Isn't that beautiful? That's how you are to be dressed up. On the inside. Wow. That's how we do it. We are clothed in the character of Christ. And so God is asking you to use your choice. Use your free will to choose to make wise choices. There was a lady by the name of Becky Griggs. She's 57 now. You can look her up on Google. Becky Griggs. G-R-I-G-G-S. Don't look up now. You can look it up later. But she has lost over 250 pounds. She's 57 now, but she starts her morning well before the sun comes up at about 5.30 in the morning at the gym. 
And uh, it took a big change from 16 years ago when she weighed 352 pounds. She calls it now, she was engaged in a slow form of suicide. She was digging her grave with her fork. Hello? Becky Griggs lives in Oregon City. And she's a wife and mother. And at the age of 43, she decided that this is... Life has got to change for her. I've had enough of it. And she knew it was killing herself with weight and her eating habits. So she took the bull by the horns and went to work. And she has now lost almost 250 pounds. She eats right. She eats protein instead of fats and so forth. And she exercises faithfully regularly. She actually got down to 139 pounds. But now she's back up to about 150. She stays there. And she's healthier than she ever was. And she did it in a little over two years by changing her physical lifestyle. And here's the point I wanted to make. What Becky Griggs did physically, hello, is what we must do spiritually. Because quite honestly, many of us are killing ourselves spiritually. We are committing spiritual suicide by our habits, by our lifestyle. And it's not so much what we are doing as maybe what we're not doing. We are not going to church regularly like we should. We don't read God's Word as much as we should. We don't pray as much as we should. We don't serve as much as we should. We don't focus on intimacy with God, walking with God daily like we should. Hello? And as a result, these spiritual disciplines that we're listing here, they are the tools by which we will change and get clothed in the character of Christ. And for the new year, we all need to make changes in our daily living in order to daily walk with Christ and allow Him to change us. And it starts, where does it start? Right here, between your ears. It starts with having the right mindset of determination, not like those frogs on the limb, well, I've decided I'm going to be this super Christian this next year, and grow in faith, all this stuff. You know what, you can make all the decisions you want, you know, but you, you've got to make, take some action. Amen. It starts right here, and I like what Stephen Covey said. He said, sow a thought, and that thought will produce an action. And that action, if you keep at it, you keep doing that same thing. You keep spending daily time in prayer. You keep seeking the Lord and having daily You do that every day, and that action will sow a habit. And over a period of time, that habit will change your character, and you will be clothed in kindness and gentleness and meekness and temperance. All that's going to take place, and that character will reap a destiny with God. Amen. Praise God. So heading into this new year, we are to wake up. Hello? We are to what? Clean up. We are to dress up. Here's the last one, if you will. We are to line up. Line up our priorities with His priorities in our lives. Paul says it this way in Philippians 3. He says in verse 13, I don't consider that I have taken hold of it yet. I hadn't reached my goal yet, in other words. But here is the one thing I do. I forget what's behind me. I press hard toward the goal or toward the mark that is ahead of me. Amen. And obviously, Paul did more than one thing. He wasn't just, you know, that. But he was saying, this is a priority. This is the most important thing that I'm doing. This is the one thing I do, the top priority for me to do. And so, as I bring this message toward a close today, I would just simply make this statement that has been echoed by many others. We need to make the main thing the main thing. We need to make the main thing the main thing. Align our priorities with His priority. Amen. Someone said that nature forms us. Education informs us. Sin deforms us, but only Christ can transform us. Oh, praise God. Amen. I'm going to invite the musicians to go ahead and make their way and singers to the platform as I bring this message to a close. I want to share a little illustration.
And then we're going to close. I've shared this before, but it was such a good one, I, I needed to resurrect it. And uh, I heard a while back that there was an expert on the subject of time management. And he was speaking to a group of business students in a university. And after speaking with them for a while, he says, Okay, it's time for a quiz to see if you have learned what I have taught you about time management. And so he set before them a basket of rocks. And he had a wide mouth mason jar in front of him. And so he slowly began to put those big rocks into the mason jar. And very carefully, <coughs> he put about a dozen or so big rocks in that mason jar, filled it right up to the top, and when it was up to the top, no more rocks could fit inside, he asked the class, is the jar full? And they said, yes, it's full. And he said, really? And then he reached under the table and pulled out a container that had pea gravel in it. And so he began to scoop pea gravel into that jar and would shake the jar. And you know what happened? That pea gravel began to fill in between all the rocks. And when he had filled it up to the top, he said, now is this jar full? Well, the class had caught on to him by that time, what he was doing. And they said, probably not. And he said, good. And then he reached under the table and brought out a jar of sand. And you know what happened? He poured the sand in. He'd shake it, pour more sand in. He shook it, pour more sand in until he had that jar filled up with rocks and sand and pea gravel. And then he said, is this jar full? And the class unanimously said, what? No! And he says, you are right. And then he reached under and he pulled a jar of water. And he poured and poured and poured until finally that jar was full of water. And he looked at the class and said, now what is the point of this illustration? And one eager beaver raised his hand. He said, oh, I know, I know, I know. And he said, okay, what is it? He said, the point is, no matter how full your schedule is, if you try hard, you can always fit something more into it. The teacher looked at him and said, no, you ignoramus, that's not it. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> Wrong. He said, that's not the point. He said, this illustration teaches us this truth. Here's the truth. The truth is simply this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, hello, you'll never get them in at all. You'll never get them in at all. And in closing today, my question is, what are the big rocks, the priorities? What are the most important things in your life, in my life, this coming year? Because if you don't put them in first, you're not going to have room for them, right? That's right. What are the big things? How about drawing closer to God? How about spending intimate time with God every day? How about getting into His Word? That's a big rock. Amen. How about worship? Developing your worship. How about increasing your faith? Growing your faith? Disciples asked Jesus one day, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Show us how to increase our faith. And so you can have great faith, little faith, whatever. And so that would be a big rock. Amen. Hearing the Word of God. Coming to the house of the Lord. Reading the Word. Friends, if we don't remember to put these big rocks in first, we'll never get them in at all. What did Jesus say? He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things you're worried about, they'll be added unto you. You don't have to worry about them then. And what He simply was saying, what Jesus was saying was simply this. Hey guys, put the big rocks in first. Put the big rocks in first. How are you going to live in victory this year? Start by putting the big rocks in first. Make the main thing the main thing because if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in. And there are four things that we can do to have a fresh start this year. We can wake up, right? Wake up and then we can clean up, get rid of anything in our lives that shouldn't be there. Amen. Then we can dress up, amen, dress up. And then we need to 
Line up. Amen. Line up. You know what? You're going to remember this message. Amen. Because of the gestures. It's going to help you remember this. Amen. What's the biggest rock of all? Knowing God. Loving God with all of your heart. Putting God first. Putting Christ first. We sang a song earlier. In Christ alone I put my trust. Let me tell you. That's the biggest rock. Putting your faith in God. Trusting God. Amen. And as already begins to lead us in song. Amen. What time is it? We have a little bit of time. I want to invite you to rededicate your life today and make a resolution to God. To God. God, I'm going to make a resolution to you. In some of these spiritual disciplines, I'm going to make a commitment to you. Hallelujah. Maybe there's areas in your life you know that you need to, hello, clean up. We, need, we all need to wake up. And we need to be dressed and clothed in Jesus Christ, trusting Him. But let's make sure we are lined up, okay? Lined up in our life. You receive that message today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, it's not an accident. Any of us has come here today. We have come to hear a word from the Word. And Lord, I thank You that You are speaking to our spirit men Lord, to change and to grow. And Lord, not just be among the 10%, Lord, that, that, uh, that are successful. Lord, we want to be beyond that. Every one of us, we want to grow in God. And Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord. And God, I just make that decision right now. I'm coming to the Lord. And God, I want to be filled. I want to be cleansed. I want to be awakened spiritually, Lord. God, awaken me spiritually, Lord. God, I don't want to slumber. I want to, I want to grow in You, Lord. And I thank You, God, for what You're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you just... I want to invite you to find a place to pray. You can pray right at your, your seat if you desire to for a few moments. The altars are open. You can come down if you want to make your, your commitment to the Lord at the altar. You can do that. Amen. And we're just going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to spend some time in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here I am. And